Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with theistic evolutionists as we pick up in Joshua, chapter 10, verse 43. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, there is a song later in the book of Judges that speaks of God using the stars and so forth in in fighting for his people. There are those who call themselves theistic evolutionists. They acknowledge God in the origins, God in an ambiguous kind of a terminology, a force, a power. There was something that started the whole thing going. But once God started the whole process, once he created the universe, then he more or less stepped back. He may have created the first cell, but he stepped back and let all things sort of develop and evolve as far as life forms and all. It's known as theistic evolution. It was an attempt to harmonize evolutionary thought with the Bible, though it surely doesn't bring any real harmony with the Bible. It creates more problems than it answers. Those who teach theistic evolution are more or less those who believe in the uniformitarianism concept of our universe and of the planet Earth. Their theory is pretty well described by Peter who said in the last days scoffers would arise saying where is the promise of his coming for since our fathers have fallen asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning. The doctrine or the idea of uniformitarianism is pretty well expressed in all things continue as they were from the beginning. In other words, there aren't any real changes. No real catastrophic kind of changes. Uh, You can explain everything in the geological column and everything as far as life processes are concerned by observable phenomena today. So the idea of uniformitarianism really is in direct contrast to the Bible. You cannot be a true believer in the Bible and be a uh, uniformitarian. They are sort of mutually exclusive. Now, this same fellow, Emmanuel Velikovsky, has written another book, Earth's in Upheaval, in which he thoroughly, totally destroys the idea of uniformitarianism. Absolutely wipes it out with incontrovertible evidence. He has twice now sent the scientists on their ears. His first book, Worlds in Collision, created quite a furor in the scientific community because, of course, it also challenged the idea of uniformitarianism. But his second book, he attacks it directly and does a devastating job in 
piling up evidence that shows that things cannot be explained by a uniform pattern, that there had to be cataclysmic changes on the Earth's surface and so forth, catastrophic changes that you cannot really explain all of the phenomena by the idea of uniformitarianism. In the book Earth's in Upheaval, he gives some very solid evidence for the universal flood of Noah. Though he isn't really trying to prove the flood, he talks about the deposits of the bones of uh, various animals that have been found in the caves in England, the bones severely fractured. All of them seem to be deposited at the same time by some violent thrust. But saber-toothed tigers along with rabbits and, and all kinds of animals that are really uh, antagonistic towards each other and yet all heaved in there and crushed and broken at the same time and, and planted there. And uh, it gives uh, some powerful evidence of violent upheavals, which, of course, the scriptures do testify have taken place upon the earth in various periods of history. But God intervening. Now, you see, we are prone to subconsciously think of God as far off and unrelated to the affairs of our lives. We so often think of God in a remote sense not of one who is actively interested in me at this moment in what I am doing. I think of God as just being out there, remote from me, sort of governing over the whole universe, but certainly he has no personal interest in me or in my daily problems. Now, one of the most important things that all of us need to develop is that consciousness of God's presence with us at all times, in all places, and the realization that God is vitally interested even with those just piddling little things about your life. God is concerned with you. He's concerned with those things that are worrying you. The Bible speaks about God's ear being open to the righteous. When you call unto the Lord, and God talks about not oppressing the poor, because when they cry unto me, the Lord said, I will hear and I will surely avenge their cause. Now, when you're poor, when you're needing money, and when you're there saying, oh, God, I don't know what I can do about these bills. This guy's really pressing me, Lord. I don't know what to do. He's really pushing me to the wall. The Lord hears your cry, though you don't think that he does. And yet the Lord is vitally concerned in your life. And here is a guy just like you and me who is fighting a battle. They've got the enemy on the run, but it's getting towards evening, oh, if the sun goes down, we won't be able to finish wiping them out. Sun stands still, and suddenly the sun stands still in the heaven and stays in that spot all day long. 
Now, you may believe that God can heal, heal your sore toe or an earache, but we don't think of God as, as really intervening in a dramatic, powerful way within our lives. When I was starting a church out in Corona, in order to meet the needs of the family, I was building a motel up in Idlewild. I had a daily radio program on KREL, 15-minute Bible study every morning. And I used to like to listen to my program when I would drive up to Idlewild because it would just help pass the time of day and I could also critique myself. But driving, oh, hundreds of miles every week, commuting back and forth to Idlewild because I had several Bible studies going at night. I'd have to drive down at night, have my Bible studies, drive back up to Idlewild the next morning. My car was really getting some real wear and tear. And the front speaker had gone out in my radio and I could only play the thing on the rear speaker. And I was headed up to Idlewild and I went to turn on my radio broadcast so I could listen and pass the time and critique it. And I was out about the area of Marchfield, going out towards San Jacinto from 395. And there was so much static on that radio that I couldn't hear my program. And so I sort of started complaining to the Lord I said, Lord, I came down last night so I could teach the Bible study. I'm running the wheels off my car and off of me, trying to serve you. I need to feed the family. That's why I'm building the motel up in Idlewild. And Lord, I don't like this drive. It gets monotonous. And the radio does help, Lord. I really wish I could hear my program and listen to the radio because it just helps the drive not be so long. And I don't want to complain, Lord, but it sure would be nice to have my radio. <laughs> and I was really just talking to the Lord like that as I was driving along about the area where they were building the dam for Paris Lake. And while I was sort of just laying this trip on the Lord... I had a vision in my mind. I saw the rear speaker and I saw a little two-pronged connection going into wires that came out of the rear speaker and I saw that connection loose and jiggling. And I saw this vividly in my mind, so vividly, that just as you're going up the hill and making that turn around where you, you come down into uh, the valley towards San Jacinto, I pulled off the side of the road right there. And I popped my trunk lid open and I climbed underneath to see what kind of connection they had to that rear speaker on my radio. And sure enough, just as I saw in my mind a loose connection dangling and jiggling, so this connection was loose. I pushed the thing in tight, 
closed the lid, ran around quickly and turned on the radio, clear as a bell. <laughs> and I said, wow, Lord, that's unreal. You mean you're interested in me and in my listening to my radio. That's all right, Lord. I love it. To realize that God is so close and desires to be deeply involved in your life. You just don't give him the chance. You say, well, God's never spoken to me. Have you ever asked him to? Have you ever asked him a direct question and then waited to get a direct answer? Now, I have to admit, I wasn't really expecting an answer. I was just sort of complaining. But then I began to discover that if I would ask God direct questions, I would often get direct answers. And I realized that so many times I just had not because I had asked not. God was there. God is interested. God wants to work. He's not remote off somewhere in the universe. That's what Elijah was taunting those priests of Baal concerning their God. Maybe he's off someplace on a vacation. Maybe he's playing golf. You know, cry a little louder. But God is not remote and far off. He is vitally interested in you and in your life. And even in those little things that are troubling you. You're his child. He doesn't like to see you distressed. He doesn't like to see you worried or fretting. He wants to reach out and help you. Don't think of God as way off, untouchable, unreachable, unapproachable. As Paul said to the Athenian philosophers, the Epicureans, for in him we live, we move, we have our being. God is interested in us. God wants to demonstrate his presence, his power, his love to you. You have not because you ask not. Become aware of the presence of God. Begin to realize, hey, God is here. God is with me. So, God demonstrated here in a very powerful way his interest, his presence to Joshua and to the people. Now, having conquered these kings, they really, at this point, conquered the major enemies within the land. The major conquests were made all at this one shot when these kings came out against them. So from there on, it was almost like just going out and mopping up. So in chapter 11, the other kings, when they heard of what had happened to these kings that had come out against them, they also went out with their host. And these are now the kings that are in the area of the Galilee and upper Galilee region.
in the first three verses, clearing up to Mount Hermon. And they went out, and all of their hosts with them, many people, even as the sand is upon the seashore, and multitude, with very many horses and chariots. And these kings met together, and they came to the waters of Miron to fight against Israel. And the Lord said to Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time I will deliver them all slain before Israel. And thou shalt hew their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So again, Joshua came with all of his men suddenly upon these people. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who smote them and chased them even unto Sidon, clearing over the upper part or the lower part of uh, Lebanon there, the upper part of the area of Israel. And Joshua took Hazor, which of course is up in the upper Galilee and, and one of the major cities at that time in that area. And he smote all of those with the edge of the sword and he utterly wiped out uh, the cattle and, and the horses and the chariots, burned the chariots and did all this the Lord had commanded Moses to do uh, when they took the land. So verse 23, Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses. Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes and the land rested from war. Now, he took the whole land and yet there were pockets that, of resistance that they did not take. There was a failure on their part to inhabit the whole territory that God had given to them. Now God had said, every place you put the sole of your foot, I have given it to you. One of the tragedies was the incomplete conquest of the land. For instance, the Jebusite city of Jerusalem was not taken by Joshua. In fact, it was not taken until the time of David. And David took the city of Jerusalem, and hence it was called after that the city of David. But we will read of other areas, Gaza, Ashdod, and so forth, that they did not take at that time. Yet they conquered not all the land. Now, that was a tragedy, that they did leave unconquered territory. And because they left it, it did become a problem later on to them. Now in chapter 11, it gives a list of the names of the kings that were in this land that they destroyed or that they, that, that they had come against. And so chapter 12 gives you a, a roster of the kings that they defeated. In chapter 13, now Joshua was old and stricken in years. It means that he was beginning to be a little feeble. The idea of stricken in years uh, refers to more or less the feebleness that oftentimes accompanies old age. And there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. 
this, as I said, was one of the tragedies, is their failure to continue until they had taken all of the land that God had promised. Now, there is a sequel to that in our own spiritual lives. As I have told you before, coming into the land of promise and taking the land of promise has as a spiritual sequel the life of victory, the walking in the spirit that God wants you to know, the victory over the flesh and your old flesh life. Now God has promised you victory over your flesh life. It is a victory that all you have to do is go in and claim Lay claim to it. Every place you put your foot, God has given it to you for a possession. Now the tragic thing with so many Christians is they start off in the Spirit in a very powerful way. And they make great initial spiritual strides in their lives. But then they will hit a spiritual plateau where a complacency will settle over them. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Joshua on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Joshua 10 through 13 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, bless you, and may you begin to see fruit from the seed that has been sown in your heart. As God begins to take the Word and use it just as a life-changing power. May the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly by faith. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Children love stories, so it is with great honor to tell you about a children's book written by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Ten Commandments. Just listen to what people are saying. Cheryl Broderson. I love these stories. And it's a pleasure for me to know that you get to hear my dad tell you the very same stories that he told me as a child. Pastor David Guzik. 
I think that a book by Pastor Chuck is perfect for children because they'll sense the true love of not just a father, but a great grandfather and how much he loves to pass on the love of Jesus to a young generation. Pastor Poncho Juarez. I am so blessed to be part of this book by Pastor Chuck. I love it when kids read in their own level. I hope parents take advantage of this and may the Lord bless you. And as a gift, each book contains a CD of Pastor Chuck reading the story of the Ten Commandments. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the book, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.